Hello, dear listener. I'm Dean Ardenfell, and this is The Corporation, the podcast where I interview employees of the many subsidiaries of my favorite multinational conglomerate, Hogswood Cooper Media. Here comes another great episode. First, I talk to a guy who's giving luxury bus tours of hurricane and volcano disaster zones. So exciting. Then I spoke with a woman who invented a low-impact way to make a lot of money fast so she could fund an unusual surgical procedure. Now, this is the spot in the show where I'd normally read a five-star review of the podcast, but I seem to be running a little low on those these days, and I thought since it's Valentine's Day, and as you can imagine, I'm alone again, don't feel sorry for me, I'd love it if you would just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and write me a five-star review, and then we'll call it even, huh? Happy Valentine's Day. I love you all. But, you know, not, not in that way, obviously. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? I hope you enjoy this brand new episode of The Corporation. My first guest is the founder and bus operator of Tour Majeure, the innovative disaster tourism venture that lets visitors to a city survey the damage of some of the world's most dramatic and buzzworthy natural disasters, all from the comfort of a luxury touring vehicle. In his spare time, he enjoys competitive sledding. Please welcome Xander Peoples. Hello, Xander. Hello, Dean. Oh my gosh, great to have you. What an entrepreneur. How'd you ever come up with this idea to take tourists around and see natural disaster sites? Well, I was was looking at the news and I thought, this is amazing. It's, It's so scintillating. It's so exciting. And and what a business opportunity to get people closer to the action. Sure, sure. So you put people on this like luxury tour bus, drive them right into the middle of something. Do you ever uh, concerned about safety or uh, of the, of yourself or or the vehicle or the tourists themselves? No. No, you're no, never I'm, concerned I, about it. We, we, we take some precautions. Um, okay, yeah. You know, I've reinforced the bus. Okay. Um, and I drive myself. Okay. Yeah. Every time you do. So you're like the sole employee and you're the one who's taking all the risk. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when you reinforce it, are you reinforcing it against the elements or against uh, the locals or what? Both. Yeah. Um, yeah lots of steel. Mm. Um, the bus sits up high. Sure. Uh, the doors are reinforced inside and out. I see. Um, and the glass is bulletproof. Wow. Okay. So, so have you had any kind of uh, blowback from locals when you, when you drive into like, let's say a hurricane zone? Um, you know, I think people... People are looking to be seen. You oh, know, yeah. they want to share their pain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're trying to share their stories with you while they've like, maybe their whole house is blown away. Absolutely. And you've got a bus full of Japanese tourists with cameras uh, getting off. Do you actually let them get off the bus? I guess it depends on the safety of the situation. It depends on the safety of the situation. Sure. And what, what are, what are your tourists who, who do this? What do they want out of the situation? You know, I think they're, they're looking to connect with the victims. Oh yeah. You know, they're looking to build that personal connection where uh-huh. I think of us as building compassion oh, across really? the world. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some would argue that this is like sort of the least compassionate thing, just sort of like looky lose through a window at, a, at people who are less you know, fortunate than themselves. Yeah. I would say that, that people that feel that way should, should come on a tour. Oh yeah. I think it, it could really change their mind and change their perspective. Yeah. yeah I, it's have, when you get up close and you see the pain mm. on the face of someone who's lost everything. That's when that's when you really start to feel compassion. Yeah, sure. your heart opens up for these people. Right, right. You know, we'll be sitting over dinner talking about the things that we've seen and, and you know, you can you can see it in their eyes. They're yeah. changed. Sure. I mean, I'm sure they are. I can't imagine that any human being with any empathy would go on a bus tour like that and not feel compassion. I guess the question then becomes by profiting off of that exchange is that a morally defensible defensible position? Of course, you know, I believe in everything you're doing, but I'm sure people have complained and told you you're an opportunist and that you're making money off of victims and all that, right? Absolutely. I, but, I, you know, I don't take it personally. I think that mm. I saw a market opportunity. 
I took a bold step. I reinforced the bus and it's going really well for me. Great. Yeah, I mean, it seems simple when you put it that way. It's almost just four steps to getting incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. Have you had uh, situations where like people have tried to get on the bus or they've tried to enact violence against the bus or anything like that? Right. Well, that's when we came up with the the locking door mechanism after some really rowdy... Victims. Some of these victims are very rowdy. I'm sure they dragged the tourists straight off of the bus and beat the crap out of them. I if don't they, know. If they could. <laughs> yeah, they've been through a lot, but it, their it's, wallet or it's anything, hard to right? believe. Yeah, you know yeah. the length that they'll go sure. to get a bottle of water. Right, right, right. Because you do provide uh, water and champagne and all sorts of things for. And I guess when you go into a, a disaster zone where there are people without anything, and then they can see. I mean, if they can see through the tinted windows, of course, they can see these other people sort of enjoying the spoils of. You know, we try to just. Again, build compassion, recognize mm. it as a simple human nature. And, you know, we can't expect every victim to be at their best. Sure. I mean, I noticed that after that terrible takedown they did on on you on MSNBC, you started giving 1% to, you know, victims and disaster relief of your profits, which I think was really mm-hmm. probably more than you even needed to do. We, but we, it's good PR. We want to give so. back. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, you want to give back, but you don't want to give that much, right? You know, we're building a business here, and so I'm really thinking about expansion. You've you know, there's to, a lot yeah. that happens right, here right. In, in the United States, but the, it's a whole international market. And, you know, what sure. are the opportunities abroad? It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Global yeah. warming. Well, that's and I was going to say that. I mean, this is only going to be a growth market because there's going to be more disasters all around the world. And I'm assuming you're going to branch out into other, you know, other places, right? Yeah. Conflict zones. So are you going to move into any other types of tragedies other than just natural disasters? Yeah, I do see a market opportunity and again, in war zones, mm. um, in any state with martial law. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, and I and I think it's just about getting to know the right people, and that's why it's been so wonderful to be a part of Hogsworth Cooper Media yeah, right. because of the connections that they can build Absolutely. internationally with an authoritarian regime, right. a dictatorship. You right. know, these people really know where to start. Sure. Um, and so I think in the next five years, you're going to see a whole new industry springing up. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Hogswood Cooper is famously in all sorts of places where they're rebuilding the infrastructure of war zones and what have you and uh, as, uh, for their own uh, personal profit. So I think, you know, getting you into those, some of those places as they're rebuilding, you know, and that's uh, uh, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And tourists. And tourists, yeah. So, and I'm assuming, I mean, some of these tourists too, like once you get to a certain level, it's like, what else is there to do as a tourist, right? If you've gone and seen the Taj Mahal and Eiffel Tower and whatnot, I'm, I'm assuming you're looking for something a little more uh, interesting, right? A little more dangerous, a little more interesting. Something surprising, something that pulls at your heartstrings. Yeah. Makes you gasp. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anybody ever uh, ask for their money back or, you know, regret it or say this is not what I thought it was going to be or anything like that? I've had some family members ask for their money back when there's been some mistakes Mi- early days. Your family members? Uh, family members of deceased okay. tourists. Okay, so so you have had some tourists uh, die. I'm sure, you, sure you've got great insurance for this. Well, actually, no. No? <laughs> it's funny to me, really. I haven't, we're not insured. Oh, no? Okay. Yeah. Not, um, <laughs> not even standard, like... The bus isn't insured at all against accidents or anything. No, and we've left buses. Oh, you, you have? Know. Yeah, there was that volcano. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. I guess there probably is a moment or two where you're like, should I stay or do I need to get out or of here Or do we cut fast? our losses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens when you park a bus near a volcano? It starts to erupt and you say, I've got these 20 tourists. I got to get out of here very quickly. At that point, I start thinking about the tires. 
you know, okay. we got to stay ahead of the flow of lava. Yeah, because yeah. Those, once those tires pop, sure, you're not going anywhere. But you were saying you left the bus behind. So how did well, you get the tourists out or did you get them out? They sign waivers. I see. Good. Dean, everyone signs yeah. a waiver. Good. It's it's like when you go rock climbing. Yeah. You yeah, sign yeah. a waiver. And um, you know, if you've gotten a bus slowly sinking into molten lava, it's everyone for themselves. And I think right. that in some ways, for those that make it out, that is the most memorable moment of their adventure. Oh yeah, sure. On yeah. tour majeure. I guess if you if you've just watched like fifteen of your fellow tourists perish in a lava flow, you're gonna remember that for the rest of your life. You do, and and those are the people who are leaving the five star reviews. Oh, okay. And the people who would have left a one star review aren't doing so. I see. Mm. I see. Wow. This is more like the, yeah, the the scaling Mount Everest mm. on the back of a Sherpa yes. kind of crew. So, um, so competitive sledding. What's that? Oh, thank you so much for asking. You, you take a sled, any sled. Sometimes mm. people build their own sleds. Mm. Um, and then you competitively sled down a hill. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Some sleds are, sleds are made of plastic. Some sleds are made of wood. My sled is made of steel. Sure. Yeah. You presumably had some left over after mm-hmm. re- retrofitting the bus. But I've been doing it ever since I was a little boy. Wow. Yeah. Where are you doing this? On sledding hills or somewhere else? Oh, wherever we can find. Um, and and that can be the really fun part, you know, if yeah. it is a active street or sure yeah. but i love adventure yeah. um and i think the competition is just what really gets me up in the morning i see oh i'm looking uh, right now online at the picture of the sled and it seems that you've almost put some sort of like sharp pointy things in the front and back are those like defensive or offensive or both you can think of it as a modern day chariot in sure. a way yeah it's uh it's interesting i mean you obviously have a thrill for adventure you're competitive and it almost some might say that by starting this business and having this hobby uh that you might show like less compassion and compassion for other people you know i think of myself as a certain caliber of person and i think then when i meet someone like me i i feel empathy for them sure and then you know i think there are a lot of types of people in the world and mm. you know at the end of the day we're all in it for ourselves and i right. i think that if a victim wants to wants to what (laughs) try to claw their way onto my bus more power to them but it's my prerogative to reinforce that bus yeah keep them in their place yeah it's Mm. kind of an ayn rand (laughs) Rand objectivism yes yeah yeah. Yeah. i like it i like it it makes sense yes yeah makes sense um well uh, this is all fascinating i'm going to keep you around and i'd love to keep talking to you but i want to get to my second guest here so um well folks my second guest today is dropping something and we're going to find out what it is uh but before we get to that let's pause and hear a quick word from our sponsor don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hello, I am Xander Peoples from Tour Majeure. I am the sole owner, proprietor, and bus driver. I take busfuls of unready, unsupervised tourists into natural disaster zones and soon war zones. I would love for you to check out our website and join us on a tour where you can have the time of your life watching other people lose theirs. Tour Majeure, the company taking you where you shouldn't be. And we're back. I'd like to remind you at this point, as I do every show, that I, Dean Ardenfell, am not and have never been an employee of Hogswood Cooper Media or any of its subsidiaries. Okay. 
We've been talking to Xander Peoples from Tour Majeure, and now I'd like to bring in my second guest who works for a totally different subsidiary of Hogs with Cooper. She is the founder of Not Our Clothing, a lifestyle brand that collects data on trending social media topics and uses AI to generate designs and slogans for apparel that feature them. Not Our Clothing then uses dropshipping partners to create and send orders, meaning NOC doesn't have to design, create, or fulfill any actual products. How great is that? On weekends, she juggles large fruits. Please welcome Luna Plintz. Hi. Hi, Luna. Hi, wow. Dean. This is genius. You just watch the trends. You let the AI generate everything. You use all these overseas partners. And then you just create stuff and send it to people. And you barely got to do anything, right? That's that's what's going on here. Thank you for wow. summarizing my job so succinctly. That made me feel really good. Oh, I'm so glad. Is it a job? Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, No. It's more of an influencer who kind of facilitates than anything, right? You're kind of a watching the trends and you're kind of, you know, you're like, well, I'm going to dip my toe in here and take a little bit. And then you let like uh, the market dictate the rest kind of, right? I guess you could put it like that, but I don't like how it doesn't really give light to the fact that my life is really hard. Sure. I bet it is. What is hard about it exactly? Well, I started this work because, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, did I make you emotional by asking you that? Well, to be fair, hmm. I'm pretty emotional all okay. the time. Oh, yeah. But yeah, my life has been really hard. And I started this position. I, I created this huge company yeah. because I'm so like I'm so concerned about my health. Yeah. And it just I need the income or I wouldn't be able to do the things I need to do and enjoy my life. And I'm having thrive. a little trouble following uh, your answer, to be honest, I, I'm, and, but I am, I have been known to be a little dim. Uh, so I'm just wondering, is there something specific that you can think of that has made your life hard? Well, when my first appendectomy didn't take, things really got... <laughs> I didn't realize they could not take. <laughs> is that, did that actually happen? It happened to me. Wow. And that's why I'm here. Wow. So when you woke up from your appendectomy, what did they tell you? So it starts like this, Okay. It's 2020. Mm. Picture it. You know what went down. I see. I have just an ouch in my abdomen. Mm. And I go to the doctor and they're like, get in this gown, lay down. Sure. Em emergency. Stay there. We're going to take this out of you. Hey, don't you worry. Yeah. I'm in, I'm unconscious, but of course we don't know what goes on when you're under anesthesia. And so I was watching the whole thing and I didn't expect to be doing that. And what I saw changed my life. Are you, are you describing like an out of body experience that you were able to look down on yourself while you're, I was definitely in my body, but okay. I was out of it. You were at, were you, did they just not give you enough anesthesia? Were you, <laughs> you partly awake? No, I think it was more spiritual. You were spiritually awake, but entirely reasonable and realistic. Okay. So I'm wondering if, when you woke up and they said, we've taken your appendix out, you did, is that, did you disagree with them at that point? I'm going to stop you right there. They, when I woke up, mm. I had already, I already knew what happened. You knew. So, but right. they didn't know you knew it that didn't I knew. You knew it didn't take at that point. I knew it didn't take because, he, well, here's what happened. <laughs> I was watching from above as they cut open. You said you were in your body. <laughs> I was in my body, I said, but I was in my body. from above and then you said I'm in your, I was in my body. I also said it was spiritual. <laughs> sure. That's true. I don't want to split hairs. So no, I'm sorry. So you've watched, you've, you watched and could tell that it wasn't working somehow. Yes. Yeah, so I'm watching them and rem remember where you were in 2020. Remember what happened mm. in 2020. Mm. They're cutting out my appendix. So they're, they're starting to cut out my appendix when a, a phone goes off. 
doctor's like, how to get that. Are you telling me that, that the COVID-19 lockdown began in the middle of your surgery? I'm not telling you that. What I'm so, telling you is that I really Kobe can't guess what happens in Bryant. this story. <laughs> oh, Kobe Bryant. Okay. Died uh-huh. during my surgery. His helicopter wow. went down and everybody knew all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And so my doctor's like, no, <laughs> this is the wrong time. Yeah. The wrong place. This wow. can't be happening. It feels like a, a the doctor would have a better ability to deal with tragedy in a high stress circumstance like that. One would think, but and you saw all this happen. Yes, it was spiritual. And then when you woke up, um, did the doctor did refute that story? They came in, and I I had woken up, and they were like, "Hey, here's the big deal." And I was like, "Say no more. Kobe Bean is no longer with us." Uh. But my appendix absolutely is. I see. And they were like, yeah, how did you know? And wow. I was like, say wow. more. That's amazing that you were able to see all of that and wake up with that knowledge. Thank Incredible. you. Thank you. And so then you presumably had a second, appendep- second appendectomy. Well, the thing about the second appendectomy is that it's not covered by insurance. Oh, of course not. So I had to start not our clothing, so which was finally, so much work. Finally. I would think it's about and maybe eight, maybe eight minutes later we get around to the answer. Why is your life hard? And I think we finally know, which is that you had to pay for your ap- appendectomy after the first one didn't take. Thank you for finally answering that. I appreciate it. Thanks for following me. It was a journey. <laughs> it was an absolute journey. Now we're closer. And we haven't talked almost at all about your company, but um, there's not much to talk about. You go out there, you see that uh, on the social media. On fleek is to, is is viral, right? And see, so you have a love on AI. Fleek. You have an AI make a T-shirt says on fleek, and then you have China ship it out to people's doorsteps, and then you collect on that. Pretty pretty amazing uh, entrepreneurial spirit there. It's a little reductive to say an AI. Oh, um, is it? It goes by Ted. Oh, um, okay. But gotcha. mostly, yes, that's correct. Ted pulls in a lot of images, mm-hmm. some copywritten, some not copywritten, mm-hmm. whatever you can get. Uh, and then generate something that's entirely new. Mm. I'm sure you've had people complaining that, uh, oh, that's my art or a corner of that is my art or what have you. And Yeah, but I just don't even listen don't. to that. That's negativity, like, right? I can, just, I can just not, you know? You can just not? I just cut it right out. That's amazing. I'm, I'm in pain. I'm you, hurting. I don't... Physically or spiritually or what? Because my appendix hurts. It's, and I'm sorry, did you so not get it out? No, I'm still saving up money so oh. that I can get the second appendectomy. Okay, I got you. And finally get it out and like I think pay it, for that security detail around LeBron. What? So I can get my ap- my appendix out. And what if another basketball star dies while I'm trying to get I see. the appendix out the second okay. time? So it's not just the cost of getting your appendix out. It's also the cost of a private security detail mm-hmm. to follow around LeBron to make sure he doesn't die during your second surgery. Yes, I'm sorry. Am I... Being difficult to understand. No, I think you're just way ahead of a lot of us. Like, I think you're operating at a higher level. And so it's hard sometimes for the normies to kind of come up to your level. So I appreciate you kind of talking down to me. And I appreciate you appreciating me talking down to you. That's great. Um, I I feel like I should bring my first guest back in here just to join the conversation. Uh, I mean, both of you are just uh, entrepreneurial spirits who just like saw an opportunity and and leapt at it. Is there any synergy here? Is there any way that the two of you could work together or anything? Well, I'm just thinking about the opportunity to get clean clothes to tourists in natural disaster zones. Mm, interesting. Then do you ship to natural disaster zones? I can ask Ted if we ship to natural disaster zones. Oh, that's right. You don't really have any of the 
actual information. But right? imagine as the disaster unfolds, we mm. are having branded mm. slogan t-shirts, socks, wow. dry, warm clothing yeah. available for purchase by tourists on the bus. Sure. Why sure. are your tourists wet? <laughs> it's a, she poses I mean, an interesting question. Sometimes the terrain is really unstable. Um, the bus can pitch, people spill, there's hot soups. Well, also, you do get out of the bus. I didn't realize there were hot soups. You get out of the bus sometimes, too. In a hurricane area, sometimes it's not done raining, I'm sure, right? And I know that you have gotten in a little bit of trouble because some of your tourists will sometimes take things from the disaster zone a souvenir to take home or whatever. And sometimes that ends up being what? Like, uh, well, sometimes it could be a special rock. Sometimes it could yeah. be a picture of somebody's grandmother. It depends right. on the environment and we're it in. It might be the only picture that person has of their grandmother since Had the hur a, yeah. hurricane swept her away mm -hmm. or what have you. I love um, a special rock. So you're saying, you're thinking, Oh, wouldn't it be great? Uh, cause you roll into a disaster zone. You want to be able to sell merch. There's no stores open. There's no retail clothing outlets. There's no shopping involved, right? I'm sure they're a little bored once they get there. They're like, this is it. This is just, it's just broken houses and, and uh, lava flows, right? Exactly. But if we could have an advertisement on the TV mm. in the console that each passenger has in the luxury bus, right? and it could be live updating with to the minute merch based right. on how the disaster is unfolding. I think oh, wow. that could Ted, be an incredible Ted could be right on top of it and you guys could be making, opportunity. making merch that has to do with their exact customized experience in the disaster zone, yeah? Almost like you go to a bachelorette party, you get the bachelorette sweatshirt, right? But it's like real-time disaster zone merch. And Ted is so good at what he does. Is he? Yeah. Absolutely. I bet. I bet. So, uh, Looney, it says here your, your hobby is juggling large fruits. What's that all about? Did you just call me Looney? I said Luna. Okay. Is is that a, a tease that some kids have called you in the past? Is that why you... I don't want to talk about that. Sure. No. I want to talk about my fruit. Great. Love it. That's what I asked about. I love to juggle a large fruit. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of watermelon? Have oh, you yes. heard of cantaloupe? For sure. Yes. Large fruits. What about honeydew? Yes. All famously large round fruits. Yes. So you, you... You think a plantain is round? Well, I said all that before you said plantain. But so you juggle these things. And for just for fun, for a hobby... I need to. Because you have. Because it's there. It's like it's the Mount Everest of fruit. Yes. And it hurts my abdomen if I don't do it. Hurts your abdomen if you don't do it. So it seems like your abdomen is always in pain. It's spiritual. <laughs> That's the show for this week, everybody. Xander Peoples was played by Hilary Boone. They're an accomplished stand-up comedian, cartoonist, and moth story slam winner based in Vermont. Luna Plintz was played by Lucy Haney, an incredibly funny improviser and sketch comedian also based here in the Green Mountain State. I'm Nathan Hartswick playing Dean Ardenfeld. You can follow this podcast at The Corporation Pod on Instagram and TikTok, see some behind-the-scenes videos, and visit the website at thecorporationpod.com. Please subscribe, review, tell some friends about this show. And hey, if you're in the Burlington area, I hope you'll check out a show at Vermont Comedy Club and say hi. See you next week, everybody. Bye.